Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, the show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. Talking Manchester United being Manchester United again at the weekend with a defeat to Aston Villa. It seems, Rob, like every single record that Man United have had in existence of winning runs, unbeaten runs, all of this kind of stuff, will tumble and fall before Man United somehow make their way back up. Aston Villa beating United at home in the Premier League for the first time since 1995, which was lovely. Same scoreline as well. I don't think this time we will have the same end to the season that we had that season. I don't think we'll have the same generation of a team that came out of that season. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, what did you make of it, Rob? A little bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And welcome to hashtag the process, because this is where we are with Eric Ten Hag and his team, is that as they figure stuff out, as they kind of stumble and fall, like I think someone tweeted me, oh, it's always like, you know, two step forwards, one step back. I think it's kind of been four steps forward, one step back. So I'm being kinder to United than maybe they deserve. But also not surprised, was it, that Villa got a new manager, some new tactics, some new impetus, and that really showed on the day. Whereas Man United now maybe trying to keep the same players, especially up top, together, being injuries, being kind of issues in terms of minutes and whatnot. And here you go, you look really tired, you go to Aston Villa after a European night, and you're awful. So it wasn't overly surprising, was it, Scott? Like, let's be honest. But at the same time, it's disappointing because we have we have seen progress in the last few weeks and we would have liked to have kept that momentum going into the World Cup. Yeah, so it was a disappointing one. I think, obviously, we've come to expect that United can drop in performances like that. But we had seen United, I think, go nine games unbeaten before that mm. game, some, something along those lines, and starting to look like a team that knew what they were doing but instead on Sunday we got more of what we saw last season the lack of effort levels the lack of you know and maybe it maybe it was tiredness I look at Christian Eriksen that midfield area I've talked about since the start of the season like yes he adds something different but he also when it's not going right for you doesn't offer you a lot of defensive security Uh, and you know there's still obviously things to fix in the midfield, in defence, up front as well. We'll talk about Cristiano Ronaldo at some point uh, in this show today because always he has to be the topic of conversation. Very much a massive split in the fan base still over whether he should play or not. I remind you again, he is 37 years old and also watch him. (laughs) It's just pretty obvious to see uh, where the deficiencies lie in the United's team sometimes, but we'll get into that today. We'll get into Donny van der Beek, who's been back 
Has he been back for the last couple of games? I, I asked the question. We'll ask that question today. We'll talk Barcelona because inevitably Man United have been pulled out of the Europa League last 32 hat playoff round against Barcelona. I'm quite excited for it. I think Rob is too, actually. I uh, am. We'll, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk some transfers towards the end as well. But yes, subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on all of your usual podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise Land MU for the show and watch us on YouTube twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays on the Promise Land and Manchester United podcast channel. Like this video, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment for us as well and get in touch on those Twitter feeds as I mentioned just now. But yes, Rob, let's let's go back to Villa to start with because yeah, I... I you just knew after after a few minutes, and obviously they went 2-0 down within 10 minutes, uh, that this was not going to be the day. But I, I, part of the old me was coming back when I saw Luke Shaw's deflected uh, shot go in at, like a minute before halftime. I was like, I defaulted to old United. I was like, here we go. All right, we're back. And then new or relatively new United came back and hit me along the head early in the second half as they completely let Jacob Ramsey go and blast the ball into the net. And that was the game, to be honest. Uh, what went wrong, Rob? Because it's been, a, it's been a positive period, but United still need work. And this was just a, a stark reminder that this isn't going to be fixed very quickly. Yeah, look, there's, there's definitely signs, and then the fingerprints there of Ten Hag, of a team that is being told to press that actually kind of wants to press, but can't press. So this is this is the issue about how you set up every week, about whether you look at what you've got in terms of your players, you look at maybe the fatigue factor, you look at individuals, and you work a system out around that. But that's not good football. That's not what top teams do. Top teams have their philosophy, have the way they want to play, and the players conform. Now, Ten Hag said it after the game. He was pretty blunt and clear. He said, I had a plan for the players and the players didn't follow it. That, that was his synopsis of the game. And it was pretty crystal clear. Man United was set up to press from minute one and they didn't. So you had this 4-2-3-1 shape with Cristiano at the top of the press. Cristiano, captain for the day, leading the front line, looking like a really old man. So how do you do it, Scott? So this is the thing. I think this is where Ten Hag has to maybe take some of the criticism from it because he does pick the team. He does put the tactics together. And I like his philosophy. I like the way he wants to play the game. But he's going to have to either understand, and I'm sure he does, that if he lets Cristiano lead the line, that you can't press. There's no point. Cristiano is in the bottom percentile in Europe for pressing forwards. So there's no point. So they tried to play this 4-2-3-1 and Garnacho and again, Rashford on the right. Not, not a fan of that. <sighs> Martial comes on, doesn't play through the middle. So you have to question the manager and say, well, what, you know, what did you see that made you think this would work today? I think it was just one of those let's gamble on Ronaldo factors again. You know, players are out, people are injured. So let's get the ball to Cristiano and I'm sure he'll hit the target and score goals. I think as we are seeing now, that this kind of elder statesman version of CR7 doesn't always hit the target, doesn't always score goals. So you have to bite the bullet. You have to bite the bullet, Scott, and do something different. And this is why I've talked about kids and playing them. I've seen Garnacho play now. I'm happy about that. I think he's, he's had good minutes and good games, obviously scored in Europe. 
But they got look through the squad, haven't you? Especially in midfield and through the balance and up top and look at what else you've got and start planning for the January transfer window. Because I think it's absolutely imperative now that unless you buy a number nine in January, you are not going to come in the top four. You do not have the firepower to either press or score goals. Especially if Ronaldo goes, we'll see what uh, what happens with him. There is still suggestions from multiple places that his exit in January is a thing that could still happen. United's public stance has been that they would like him to stay for the duration of his contract. That's what Eric Ten Hag has basically said. But, you know, it. it I think this whole circus around Ronaldo is just the debate that happens every time after every match about whether he's good for the team or not. They just don't need this, really, do they? Nope. No, and it's At a all. name. It's a name. Like, it's got, I think I said on Twitter, it's got nothing to do with sport. Like, if people watch what he does and watch what the attack does and the functionality with Ronaldo in it, no one in their right mind, football-wise, thinking that that it's a good thing. It really isn't. You've got this guy, superstar up top, who is basically a geriatric in football terms now. He cannot move around on the football pitch. So uh, you said you felt sorry for him the other week. And and I kind of get where you're coming from with that, because I don't think he can do these things that he's been asked to do. He's probably better off as a bench role with 20 or 30 minutes here and there. And a kind of fond farewell, as I called it last week. But I think the time has come now. If you can move him on in January, it's not going to hurt you if he's not in your squad. I really don't believe that. I think if, if Ronaldo went and you played more kids, you're you're better pre- prepared for the future than you are, say, the present. And uh, you need to get in that January transfer window and find a striker. Could be. Uh, I know I've said this already once before. This The next game against Aston Villa in the League Cup could be Ronaldo's mm-hmm. last appearance at Old Trafford. We will see. Uh, I think they obviously United come back on Boxing Day. I think they got Nottingham Forest on the day after Boxing Day. Um, but, you know, after the World Cup, it, this just seems like the right opportunity to make a clean break, doesn't it, for everyone? Uh, Fulham, the last Premier League game, which happens on Sunday. United need to win that. They actually really need to win that because of other teams dropping points around them and to stay in touch with the top four and put themselves in the mix for it. Uh, just a little add to that, Scott, a little yeah. caveat to what you're just saying. I always go in the club shop on match days and just have a look and I get an idea of what Man United are trying to do with their players and their commercial offer. You go into the club shop at Old Trafford, there is not one Ronaldo shirt, not one, right? This is the same thing they did last year with Paul Pogba. There wasn't one Paul Pogba shirt when you would walk in there the year before and there would be 10 rows of it. Now, last year, Ronaldo, there was like, 30 rows of shirts as you came in and 29 were Ronaldo, yeah? And one Bruno Fernandes. That's gone now. So United are removing Ronaldo from their commercial offer. That's obvious with your eyes. So I I think this is kind of why we are heading that way because it's the right thing to do. You've got to now, you can't sell shirts and then say in January, oh, he's just gone because you'll be doing refunds galore, won't you? So United are already thinking about those things commercially and you've got to go and find your next striker, haven't you? Yeah, we'll talk about the next striker towards the end of the show in the transfers section. But yeah, like people are looking, people watching United now at the moment. Surely you have to see the bigger picture. I, I mean, it's just a debate that just uh, it, it actually annoys me after every single game, whether he scores, whether he doesn't, whether he plays poorly, whether he doesn't. It's it always crops up, and I'm I'm sick of it. Can you imagine how sick of it Eric Ten Hag must be? You yeah. know to have to try and facilitate this and keep him happy, keep fans happy who think he's still, 
God's gift and the greatest player in the world. How long are we going to be talking about Ronaldo being Ronaldo? Is he going to be, what, 45 years old, like, turning up? Like, does he deserve his, his starting spot at Old Trafford at 45, 50 years old if he still wants to play, you know? Absolutely not. But I think like, you'd have to convince the likes of Roy Keane, wouldn't you? Because I think Roy Keane said the other day, well, he gets you a goal every other game. No, he doesn't. That's not. He's got three goals this season, right? That's it, it's completely, completely infactual. I, I said the, I said also on Twitter that you know it's kind of factual that he's not playing well, and I had a load of tweets back of me going, "Your credibility is in the bin because it's not factual that his his form is poor." Yes, it is. Go and look at the metrics. Watch the games. It's pretty clear that his form is poor. But I'm in your camp there, Scott. I, I, I just. It's a boring subject. It would be so much better if we could just move on in the same way, mentioning Paul Pogba again. You know, that's quite a weight off our shoulders as commentators and pundits and journalists to kind of go, well, do you know, we've talked about that for years. Can we stop talking about it and talk about some football now? So I, I think that's the only reason why you're there with Cristiano. It's, it's the sense that he's no longer up to the job. I don't think he would get in many Premier League starting 11s. I really don't. And I mean that through the whole league. Uh, he's basically in the team because he's Ronaldo. And that's that. If he wasn't Ronaldo, there's no way he'd be starting games. So I think that Ten Hag's got to be careful here because, as you said, he's trying to think, keep keep the team together, keep the ideas and the, and the philosophy moving forward. But if you don't run at the top end of the pitch, you're going to lose games. Simple as that. Aston Villa exploited that. Unai Emery said also at the end of the game, he said, you know, he's very happy with this player, that player and the other. And he went, but... Manchester United allowed us to do what we wanted to do. He used those words, allowed us to do what we wanted to do. That's damning. You know, when a manager says that, walking into a new football club, and he says the opponent allowed us to play football. So stop plays, stop teams playing football. But I think there's other things, isn't there, with injuries? So I think like Lindelof at the back for, for um, uh, Varane is an issue. I think you know Luke Shaw didn't have a great game uh, yeah, against great. him. So, so obviously you're having to pull him. You mentioned Christian Eriksen, I think looks knackered, looks mm. tired, you know. So this was the nice. thing that we mentioned at the start of the season that would happen. Exactly. So you know, it's great to have ball players, but if they're if they're tired and they can't then play because they're tired, then that's an issue, isn't it? So I think there are things that, that Ten Hag are trying to juggle. And maybe for him, the Ronaldo issue of Ronaldo being fit is less of a problem in his head because he's thinking, how do I keep the rest of my team fresh? But they wanted to press, but they physically couldn't press. And you've got to do something different then. Yeah, just uh, before we wrap up on Ronaldo, well, we'll wrap up on Ronaldo now. But just to just to say again, we're just looking at what we're what we're seeing on the pitch. There's nothing to do with, uh, you know, wanting to get him out because of X. It's just like he's not effective for the team at the moment. That's just something that I think. That's something that Rob thinks. It's something that's backed up in numbers and metrics as well. So, just watch. There was one moment where I, I said this to you off air, Rob, that. I think it might have been, it was It was one of Villa's centre-backs, I think it was. Ronaldo was on the, the edge of the centre circle towards the right side. And the central defender was outside of him on the ball, turned like sideways, ran past him sideways and around him. And Ronaldo just stood there. And I was like, yeah. he just, look how easily he's just walked through the team there. And that's the, the first line of defence that has gone. And that, it impacts the rest of the team. Ronaldo, yes, Ronaldo's not in the back four conceding goals, but Eric Ten Hag has said on numerous occasions, we defend with 11. We defend with 11. Yeah, yeah. And with 11. <laughs> it rips your shape to shreds. And, and it's ironic, isn't it? Because I think this is, again, a popularity contest for some fans because I, I saw a load of people criticising Marcus Rashford's performance against 
uh, Villa when he was playing out of position on the right-hand side. And they were like, oh, Rashford's awful. <sighs> yeah, they were all awful at the end of the day against Villa. It wasn't a good collective performance. But again, it's 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 the consistency of issues, isn't it? Who Who is consistently a problem? Marcus Rashford's been good this year. He has. You know, he's proved that he can be part of this attack. But... You know, he, these players are moving around to accommodate other players and it doesn't work like that. I think when you try and accommodate the likes of Ronaldo, like United's defence, trying to maybe accommodate uh, Lindelof in terms of style and making Martinez go and do some of the more chasing, coming to the right-hand side, that's something he doesn't do normally with Varane. So when you're accommodating issues, then the issues are going to shine. They're going to shine rather than the performances, rather than victories. Martinez was a lucky boy with his little elbow that he dropped into the stomach. I think it was Leon Bailey on it, but yeah. But do you know what? Like, I saw that and I thought, like, I think, I think Martinez was just trying to be have an aggressive performance. To yeah, push he was the yeah. team forward. It, that, that was very Roy Keane esque in a way of like putting yourself about a bit. But I felt on the day United were pretty soft. You know, like I felt Villa were Absolutely. were motivated and United looked a little bit like. Oh, we've just got off a plane. You know, I'm tired. You know, like this is a, it's been a difficult week with Europa League football and whatnot. So I, 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 I wasn't surprised by the performance, but I think it's something that Ten Hag again will live and learn with going yeah. forward. You'll see that these players, that some of them are just not capable to do some of the stuff that he wants them to do. Yeah, soft was the right word. I think soft centered was the one that I used. And it just, it was there. Soft centers, Donny van der Beek then. Um, Donny van Got Bay. another chance, and it's been th- how many managers? Ollie, Ralph, Ten Hag. There was somebody else as well. Carrick was Carrick. in there. Uh, You know, it's it's just not working for him, is it? He just he's a passenger in a lot of games, and you keep thinking, well, he's, he needs to run a games, he needs to run a games, he needs to run a games. But injuries have played their part. He doesn't force his way in because he's not the best player in the, in his position in the team. Yeah. He is a squad option, but how long <laughs> do we have to not have to put up with this, but how long are we going to be seeing this? Or is this, is Ten Hag going to be here? Oh, I like you, Donnie mate, but you know, it's not going to work for us. Well, how long is a, is a piece of string, you know, with Donny van der Beek? I think the issue is, is that, that again, when, when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer brought him to the club, there's a lot of conjecture about that. Did he want Donny? Did he not want Donny? Yes, he did want Donny. He wanted the Donny van der Beek that was scoring goals in the Champions League semi-finals and in that run for Ajax. That was the play he wanted. And I have no idea how we've ended up with this version of Donny van der Beek. But I think the proof there is in the pudding and the eating. And that is that when Donny van der Beek is in a Premier League situation... <laughs> A bit like Ronaldo, whatever his limitations are, he can't do it. I said in Europe the other day that I thought that the 60 minutes he got as his first game back was okay, wasn't spectacular. He got a lot of flack, a lot of criticism. But then at Aston Villa, if you start the game as the number 10 because Bruno Fernandes is out, you've got to do more. You've got to show more. And it didn't help Ronaldo in that sense because Ronaldo's got Donny at the back of him. They're both pressing like they're on a Sunday stroll like this. And you think to yourself, what's the point? Donny van der Beek needs to get his get a grip, get his act together, or he's out the football club. And I don't think there's any chance that Eric Ten Hag just keeps him. I think Eric Ten Hag will say, you, you're not of any use to me. Let me sell you now. Sorry, Donny, you're off. And I think Donny said that the other day. He went, you know, I've got to prove it now. So 
again, let's see what happens. Let's see if he goes to the World Cup, if he's definitely in that squad. I don't think he see, is. Like, he, what, he, what, he didn't what, even make the 55. Why would you pick him? Like this is the, We've said this repeatedly when he was getting in Dutch squads and saying, well, why would he even get in the squad? He can't, he can't even get him... The, the first team in the training ground at Man United. You know, he's definitely not in that first 11. So he's played some games now. I, I, I'd be happy for him to stay behind, you know, and train with Ten Hag and go on the, the little mini tour that United are going to Spain because I think that will help him. But physically and mentally, he doesn't look or feel like a Premier League player. And I think that's a massive problem. If he'd had 50 games, Scott, up to now, then maybe he'd be up to speed in his career in two years. But you can't do that. Like Ole couldn't allow that because then you would lose football matches. And that's why Ole didn't play him. It wasn't because Ole didn't want him. Should we, should we switch gears? Let's, let's, let's talk. do it. Let's talk <laughs> fun stuff. Uh, let's talk Europa League draw. Barcelona in the Yay. last 32 playoff qualifying round inevitably it had to be Barcelona didn't it Rob it's the the Frankie Classico had to be Barcelona and I'm happy that it is uh, a lot of reaction a, a lot of opposition fans yesterday going oh ha, 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 you've got Barcelona yeah happy to have Barcelona this is the kind of tie I want to see in Europa League I want to see United have the biggest and best challenges I'm not interested in going to backwaters across Europe. It is not fun. This is fun. Going to the Camp Nou is fun. Them coming to us is fun in the two-legged scenario. And do you think Javi wants to play us? Like Javi's Oh, comments, he's already said, yeah. Javi's comments yesterday was like, this is a disaster. We do not really want to play Man United. So this is where we stand with it and something to look forward to. Like we know now that we're, we're playing them. Is it is a game in February? Yeah, I think so. so it's like, it's it's kind of like a quarter of a year away, it feels like. Do you know what I mean? It's a long, it's a long way away, three months or so. Um, but something to look forward to. And I'm glad that we're playing Barcelona because I think Man United are better when they have a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I think, look at the positives here. And you get the Frankie de Jong narrative to carry on. <laughs> Frankie's playing Europa League football at Old Trafford. He didn't want that. And now he is. Or might, might even be on the bench. You never know. <laughs> Might be on the bench. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but look at look at it now, right? United, if they win, this is a nice shot in the arm. It's a fun narrative to have beaten Barcelona, send Frankie Pack in from Europe. Yeah. If they don't, it's the last 32 and it's come early enough in the season where they haven't got to the semifinals and eventually lost. You know? I think totally. there's, a, there's a way to correct it. United so far have shown... And I hope that this happens again over the next couple of games. They've shown that they can react to defeats and like, you know, mm. big setbacks pretty quickly. I'm hoping that if that happens in February or something like that, the United can just knuckle down and concentrate on trying to get in the top four with fewer games to manage with the small squad that they have. Uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, there's some really good Champions League ties, a really good Europa League tie here as well. And Xavi does not want this game. Ah, just enjoy it, you know. Just it, enjoy it. Definitely. That's Rosenberg or something, you know? <laughs> I think if you were running into a Barcelona that are peak Barca from years gone by, then I kind of get it. You know, we used to play Barcelona a lot in the Champions League around in the 90s and 2000s, and we ended up playing them. And you always knew you were going to get a pasting or a few goals against you, even when Man United were quite a good football team. 
I don't see it like that now. As long as I think you've got fitness and you're you're doing the things that you have been doing well and you can build towards it. I think it's a nice little carrot at the end of, of part of the process. So you come back uh, in January, might hopefully add a player or two in that in that window. You go into the, the January, uh, February period feeling good about yourself. But you, you're right. I think the powers of recovery of Man United is that the players do understand what the manager wants and why things are not working. It's just up to the manager now to make sure these players are doing it consistently. Because if they had a plan against Villa and they didn't do it, then you have to really dial back and say, well, why did you not do it? So I think with Barcelona coming up, I don't think anyone needs motivated for that one. And I think you can see that, that let's say Ronaldo's still at the football club, the final hurrah, Real Madrid's uh, Ronaldo just suddenly pops his ears up at the Camp Nou, scores an overhead kick and you win the game. We'll see who will be playing for Man United in that game and through the second half of the season. We'll talk transfers here. Right back to start with, there's been a link with Carl Walker-Peters. If you're you're watching this podcast, I've just made a face, a scrunched up face, um, you know, sold by Tottenham. Uh, English inevitably comes with a much higher price than somebody if you pluck them from a a lower league who can probably be probably be just as good. Uh, it might be a good idea, but I just don't think there's value in that transfer, to be honest. And links have been cropping up since Ralph Hasenhuttle has lost his job as Southampton manager on Monday. I don't see a connection there personally. I don't see why. Oh, well, Ralph's gone. I'm out. You know, I, I don't see it that way. <laughs> Yeah, I think his long-term future at Southampton is debated simply because of Southampton's idea of Livermento. So Livermento has been injured for a while, obviously former Chelsea prospect, came through, did really well on loan, didn't he, at Southampton, then got a really bad injury. So I think there's this feeling that that he is going to be the automatic starter when he finally comes back, and that maybe puts Carl Walker-Peters long-term contractual situation maybe a little bit in doubt about you know whether he's actually going to be a starter. Uh, I actually think he is a much improved player, Scott, since his Tottenham days where he was very much a reserve and, you know, probably a player you didn't want to hold on to. Um, 25 years old, England international, plays on the front foot, is very much a wing back who can do more defensive stuff. So it's all about price, isn't it? And, And I think that the availability in January is going to be limited. So if someone like Cole, Cole Walker-Peters is available, then you do consider it. You know, I think when you look across Europe and you look at right-backs, you have to think to yourself, do you want to go premium, pay 50 million and maybe get your next Aaron Wambasaka, who doesn't actually play games and doesn't help you? Or maybe do you go a little bit cheaper than that? I think Kyle Walker-Peters will be relatively pricey. He's going, you're talking 30 millions. But maybe Southampton, with their changes now, with a new manager, um, it could be a case that he will be available in January and United have the opportunity to sign him. Let's move to strikers because there's been some varying levels of quality of player linked <laughs> in the last few days. Uh, Dusan Vlajevic uh, is one, plays the Juventus. Benjamin Sesko, we've seen over the last few weeks suggestions that United could just stump up money to Leipzig and just say, hey, don't play a game for us, just come and join from next season and you can be our new Hot young striker uh, reported that on 90 Min, I believe, a month ago, something like this. Eric Maxim Chupo Moting is the other one as well. Uh, United need a striker. 
probably not going to go very big in January. I, maybe that would rule Dusan Vlajevic out. Uh, Sesko, as we mentioned, they're probably an end of the season thing. But if Ronaldo does go, they're going to need someone. So Chupo Moting might be it. He, he might be, <laughs> he might be, but I, I, I get the feeling that if that is your option, then you say to Cristiano, just hang around for a few more months, mate, and you can walk. So I, I think this is a, a dangerous one with the window because you do definitely need to reinforce in the window, but don't go out and buy players that can't help you like, or, or long-term can't help you. So Sesco would be a, a fantastic addition. We've talked about him in depth over many, many months. Um, but then you'd be gambling on the future. He'd be a young player that we'd bring into your system and that you were looking to develop. You, he's not going to give you maybe immediate returns. But then again, maybe he will. Maybe he'll come in and and he's exactly what you need at the top end of the pitch and he'll give you energy and strength and uh, finishing and all the sorts of things that he's, he's pretty good at as a young player. Um, but this is going to be, for Man United fans now, I think a continuing narrative all the way up to the window and through the window because United are going to get linked with every striker on planet Earth, especially if it becomes apparent in the next week or two that Cristiano Ronaldo has found himself a new home and that he will definitely be leaving Man United. And that I don't think we can we can take off the table yet. I do think that if Ronaldo gets an offer that, that he likes, either from the MLS or from Saudi or somewhere else where they pay incredible wages... He might just say, "Well, I'm, I'm not. I don't fancy this at Man United anymore. It's not what it's not what I thought it would be. I think I'll go somewhere else and earn my money. And that will mean Man United needs to get active very, very quickly. I think this January transfer window is going to be a lot busier than previous January transfer windows. Yeah, United have been suggesting that they're not going to spend very big in January because they overspent in the summer window. But as we've touched on in previous weeks, they also said they wouldn't spend in the summer, and then they ended up buying Casemiro and Anthony, who they wouldn't pay." Anthony, for example, I think they it was initially suggested at 40 million, wasn't it? And we I remember us talking on that podcast, Rob, that it was never going to cost 40 million, but they could have got him cheaper than they did. Uh, yeah. But maybe there is money there. So maybe United are playing their hand, you know? It, it, it's, I, I don't know if it's a case of whether there is money there. Like I think the accounts show there isn't money there, but that does not stop football clubs in the modern day spending. It doesn't. Barcelona are completely skinned. And have been for a while. Real Madrid are pretty skint as well. And they all spend money still. So it's always about future um, future kind of gambling on your on the money coming into the football club and how you spend it. And I think it's just about availability, Scott. If the right player comes up in January, they will go and get them. And they won't want to talk about spending money because I think when you have that outward look of we want to spend money, you end up like Nottingham Forest. People just, they, they fleece you and you throw money at them and you end up with 27 new players and it doesn't help you. So I think United are saying, no, we want to be cautious. I think there'll be more outgoings and incomings in January, but I think that will also fund the players that you need. So you might lose six or seven in January, but you might only bring in one or two, but there'll be one or two that start games as opposed to a lot of your fringe that doesn't really help you win football matches. Aaron Wan-Bissaka likely among those players. Uh, United have plenty of work to do on this, on this squad in the upcoming transfer windows. We'll see how much they can do in January, but we'll talk, obviously, uh, all about it as it's happening. Uh, Rob, United play Aston Villa on Thursday night, again at Old Trafford, this time in the League Cup, and finish up with a game against Fulham. We'll do a show on Friday to talk about what happened in Aston Villa 2 and look ahead to the final game before the World Cup begins. 
do you expect a reaction? Do you expect rotation in this League Cup game? How are you thinking Ten Hag might approach it? I, I, I really expect no rotation. I think Ten Hag has really kind of put set his stall out with his selections and said, I'm only going to rotate when I really have to. So that's, let's be honest, it's been injuries that have dictated a lot of the starting lineup. So that's the only reason I can believe why he started Ronaldo so often. I think the only player that might get rotated out after the first Villa game is actually Cristiano. So I would not be surprised that you go back to what you were trying to do a few weeks ago. Anthony Martial needs a start, doesn't he? So you could see him play, maybe playing 60, 70 minutes in that game. And I think you could see him being the striker. And then you can justify to the universe that Cristiano Ronaldo deserves a rest because he's played lots of minutes. Because it's the League Cup as well. It's the League Cup and he has played lots of minutes. And I think he's been overused, but you've kind of been forced to make a lot of those changes. You know, you've not... It was quite interesting to see Anthony. Did you see him... Uh, celebrating his uh, his inclusion in the Brazilian He was squad. one of several Brazil players to do that. I felt the whole squad did it. I, think, I saw Alex Tellers do it as well. I was like, Alex Tellers still exists. Um, and he's going to the World Cup. Um, but you saw an anti jump up with his like family and friends and jumping around. And I was a bit like, you're supposed to be injured, mate. Sit down. You know, come on. Or you're playing against Villa. So I think you kind of have to just look at what you got available for this game and go with it. And again, I don't think Ten Hag's going to make 10 changes to the team to try and you know get get some rest i think he's going to look at it now and say the world cup is on us but man united have only got two more games so i'm going to play my strongest team and you've really got to kind of set this right against villa haven't you because villa i think might rotate because i think you know emery will be looking at his players and be changing a few things around trying different tactics whereas you've got to go out there and smash aston villa now after them embarrassing you on their own pitch you've now got to go and say right let's take this impetus back uh, Martial up top, Rashford off the left. I think you'll see Man United playing something very familiar. Any final thoughts before we wrap up, Rob? Or how are you feeling at the moment as a follower of United? No, I don't, I don't feel bad about it. I think the Villa result and performance absolutely stank to high heaven. But again, there are reasons for these things. Uh, and as I said, I think you've got to give some of the responsibility to Ten Hag. You know, he makes those selections. And I think I think for the first time in, in quite a few weeks, you looked at that team and the performance and you said the manager got that wrong. Because the manager can tell the players what to do, but if they're not doing it. Then you have to kind of look at this collective responsibility. So uh, another game coming up Thursday, Aston Villa at home in the League Cup. You've got a chance to right those wrongs. Uh, I guess Bruno is Bruno available obviously for that I one so, yeah. I think he was only suspended for one game so you bring Bruno back in ironic wasn't it we've talked about Bruno Fernandes a lot and criticised him I know I have and and then Bruno's not in your team and you look like you're missing a Bruno Fernandes so suddenly players look you see their value when they're not there more don't you sometimes where you've got these expectations for them so I think you'll probably see Bruno up top playing that 10 role Rashford left Martial uh, playing as the 9 and hopefully hopefully Manchester United pressing up the pitch. Yes, we will see United play Aston Villa on Thursday night. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., etc., And follow us on YouTube. Subscribe Tuesdays and Fridays. We do shows. Head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe, leave us a comment as well. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, thanks very much for the show. Thanks very much for the conversation. 
I will catch you soon. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. <laughs>